Play the video, please, so I can get my life up here. Somebody. Amen. Y'all need a little bit of excitement and joy anyway. Hey. There we go. <laughs> That was abrupt. <laughs> so we've been in this series, um, and we've been discussing um, the ineffectiveness of fear, right? Um, and so, hey, can you do me a favor? Um, it's, it's dreary out this morning, um, but it's not dreary in your hearts, amen, because uh, we believe that we choose joy here, Right? Uh, because God has done something marvelous and miraculous in our hearts. And so because of that, we can have joy regardless of the circumstances, right? And so joy is the thing that drives us and pushes us forward each and every day of our lives. So we choose joy. Amen. All right. So uh, y'all act like y'all got some joy. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. So we've, we've been walking through this series to help us consider the ineffectiveness of fear. And so when we live in fear, we become a church that's like a haunted house. We become stuck inside with the shutters drawn and uh, we get scared of everything that pops around every single corner. And fear makes us a church that is inward focus rather than an outward focus sanctuary whereby people can come in and meet and experience the king of the universe and begin to worship him. But when we live like a haunted house, that doesn't happen. And fear causes us to exist as if we were a haunted house. So we want to discuss, uh, continue to discuss what it looks like to overcome fear. So the first week we talked about the fear of God, right? That was our linchpin. That, that's where we, we, we put our flag and said that if we're going to fear anything, it's going to be God. And so the fear of God allows us to put away the fear of the past, right? We talked about that. It allows us to, to put away fear of the present, right? And if you catch where I'm going, guess what we're talking about today? Fear of the future. All right. So, and as we look at what it means to overcome our fear of the future, we get to see that in, when we overcome fear, we become effective followers of Jesus Christ here in this world. Amen. And so, listen, what I want to uh, walk us through today to help us to catch uh, a vision for this and to get an idea about what it means to overcome future fear, I want to point us to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some extra ones for you in the back. Uh, you can just lift your hand and we'll give a Bible to you. Um, but if not, we'll have it for you up here. Well, it's already there, up there on the screens. Uh, it's two people back there this morning, so they move a little quicker. Uh, so Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Hear these words of our Father. He says, for I know the plans... I have for you. It says that this is the Lord's declaration. That's good. That God declares things in our lives and we can count on it. And he says, there are plans for your well-being. Somebody say well-being. And not for disaster. We need to hear that. 
because we think that everything is a disaster. (laughs) He says, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. A future and a hope. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would be with us, God. Join us, God, today in this. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would stand in my body this morning, God, and think through my mind and speak through my mouth. And God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I place all my trust. And the whole church says, Amen. Here, I want to show you some future predictions. Oftentimes, we predict the future, right? We sit on our bed on the edge, and we swing our feet, and we start to think about what the future is like, and we start to make predictions. God, he's going to be six seven, dark hair. <laughs> we start making predictions for our future. But check these predictions out. Lee DeForest, in 1926, he was the inventor of the cathode ray tube, which went into TVs. He said, theoretically, television may be feasible, but I consider it an impossibility, a development which we should waste little time dreaming about. He was right. (laughs) No, he wasn't. Thomas J. Watson, in 1943, he was the chairman of the board for IBM. He said this, I think there is a world market for about five computers. That was his future prediction in 1943. He was on to something. No, he wasn't. A recording company expert in 1962, he said this, We don't think the Beatles will do anything in their market. Guitar groups are on their way out. Boy, was he wrong. (laughs) And that's just like us. We make predictions about our future. We make predictions about the things that are to come based on the present reality that we exist in. And oftentimes what we miss or fail to understand is that the future is actually known by somebody, but it's not known by us. And so as we walk through this, I want us to to see clearly how God is instructing us and showing us that you don't have to walk in fear because your future is known. See, you don't have to walk in fear. And that's my first idea. You don't have to walk in fear because your future is known. Here he says in verse uh, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking. He says here that I know this word for no means to be intimate with something. It means to be skillful in. So what God is saying here, he says, I am skillful in the plans that I have for you. See, we we don't have to be concerned about the future because God has carefully crafted the future that we will have for our benefit. See, we don't have to walk in fear because what happens is oftentimes we're fearful about the future because we don't know the intimate details of the future. 
Isn't that true? Like we're fearful of the future because we're not clear on about what the details are like. And for some of us who are a type personalities that need to know every single detail about our lives, that becomes crippling for us. Like we need to know every single thing that's going on or else we can't move forward. Sometimes we become paralyzed by the details because we don't know what it is that's going to happen. And so we start saying, well, well, I don't know what that looks like over there. So can, can you help me out? Give, answer some questions for me. Who's going to be there? Like, uh, 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 what, what, what time does the thing start? Like, man, I just invited you over for a casual party at my house, brother. Just come on by whenever you feel like it. Like, and that's what we do. Like, we, we, we get so stuck and trapped inside of the details, but we get fearful. Because we don't know what's going to happen. But God's telling us in this passage, he's saying, listen, you don't have to be intimate with the details because I'm intimate with the details. In fact, I'm so intimate with the details because I'm the one who created the details and I exist inside of the future right now with that you can't see. And I'm working on your behalf right now. It's something that you can't see. Don't worry about it. I got this. You don't have to worry about it and you don't have to fear because I am the one who's in control. And some of us need a good dose of that. We need a good dose of understanding the reality that God is in control of our lives. We want to be in control so bad. But God is saying to us today, listen, if you want to be free from fear, free yourself from your concern about the future. If you want to be free from fear, recognize that I am the one who is in control of every detail of your life. And guess what? If you're in Christ, no matter how hard you try, you can't mess it up. <laughs> because God is working out his purposes in your life, regardless of what you might think, or how many times you might mess up, or how many times you might fail. As long as you stay connected to the Savior and connected in community with other brothers and sisters, guess what? God's going to make sure that his purposes and his plans get worked out in your life. Corey Ten Boom, she says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. See, when we grow in our intimacy with God, we become less concerned about the future. See, when we grow intimate with God, we're less concerned about what tomorrow brings because we're too busy focusing on what today has for us and what God has called us to right now in the present so we don't worry about tomorrow. See, we got to grow in our intimacy with God. And the other thing we got to do is we have to grow in our skillfulness of knowing God for our future and to know that knowing him turns our fear of the future into freedom. See, when we're in Christ, guess what? We are set free. And so that means that the chains and the bondages of tomorrow, of, of tomorrow and yesterday, those things don't matter because God is the one who is in control and he declares that we are free. So we don't have to worry about that. See, we, what we do is we believe that here, that knowing God happens through loving the word, right? That's hanging up on our wall. We believe that. And we believe that loving the word is facilitated through gathering with other believers around the word in worship. And so when we love the word, the future is known to us, watch this, not by facts, but by faith. 
See, you, you need your future to be known, not by some facts. You, you think you need all the facts. You think you need everything in line. You think you need to know everything that's going to happen and need to know all the facts, right? We got to get the facts straight. But you need a future that is known by faith. See, you need a future that's known by faith because a future that's known by faith is greater than a future that is known by facts because the facts that you might have may not be correct because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, so don't worry about the facts that you think you might have. Have some faith in me because the faith in me will lead to a future that is better than one you can even imagine. See, you may know the future. Because you've aligned yourself with all the right principles and you've directed your life to make all the best decisions. Like you've aligned yourself to to be in the right place and I've set myself up for my future, which you should do. You should make appropriate steps and take action, but you have to recognize that it is God who is working out your life. You aren't working out your life. God is. So he says here, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plan here is a thought or a purpose. It can be described as an invention or a device. So here is how we overcome fear. We overcome fear by knowing that God is thinking about us. See, when the one who created the stars is thinking about you (laughs) like that should transition and transform the way you think about your future see when, when you begin to understand that the god of the universe the one who created every system in your body and set it into motion and guess what you can live for 80 long years and 90 long years and 100 long years and the systems of your body continue to work in the same way that he set them up to work and sometimes they start to deteriorate and all that stuff like that but he sets your heart to beat until the day that you die without having to rewind it again And so when we consider that that is the God who was thinking about us, we don't even understand how that works. Like, we don't even understand how certain parts of our structure work, but God understands because he created the blueprint by which it was designed and how it works. So if that God is thinking about us, why do we have to fear for our future? My favorite psalm is Psalm 8. 8 and 4, he says, what is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. Yet you made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That's talking about us. All the sheep, all the oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the path of the sea, God has placed underneath our dominion and our authority. So we're worried about a little circumstance on our jobs. <laughs> like we're worried about some people <laughs> talking bad about us behind our back. God says, I've given you dominion over everything that walks around on this earth. I've given you dominion over the birds of the air and of the fish of the sea. Like I've given you dominion over all of this stuff. And you're lower than the angels. What is man that, I, that he is mindful of us? We should ask ourselves that question all the time. But listen to this. 
the plans here, it, 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 it refers to a word. It can be defined by a word, contrivance. Can you say that, contrivance? Okay. Contrive, right? Get it? Contrivance. Contrivance is the use of skill to bring about something or create something. So when God says, I know the plans I have for you, what he's saying is, he's saying, I know the use of skill that I'm going to use to bring about the thing that I've created for you for your future. So you don't have to worry about what's happening because I am skillful and I am working out a plan for your future. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. It says here, verse, 20, verse 11, again, he says, for I know the plans that I have for you. And Jeremiah says, this is the Lord's declaration. The Lord Yahweh. Jehovah. The, the, the name Jehovah is derived from a three-letter root in Hebrew. And y'all, bear with me. I just want to teach you for a second. It's derived from a three-letter root in Hebrew, which means to be. We know that from Exodus 3.14, um, where he says, I am that I am. And so he explains his name, and the name that is used is used in an imperfect verb. So the, the root of that three-letter meaning to be in Hebrew, it takes on the form of actually the future. So the, the biblical Hebrew, is, it, what it's suggesting is expressing that it is repetitive in his action. So in plain English, here's what it means. I am now, and I will continue to be in the future. That's what God says about himself. I am now, and I will continue to be in the future. And so the phrase that's used in Exodus 3.14 is a double phrase. And what he's saying is this. It can be translated like this. He's saying, I am that which I am. But it also could be translated, I will be that which I will be. Are you following me? Both of these translations are correct. Even if they are a little bit weird for us to say in English. But an accurate translation would be like this. It says, I am now and will continue to be in the future. That which I am now and will continue to be in the future. So what we have to understand, even though that's quite a bit of a mouthful, we can see that the future is just as secure as it is right now because God saying that I am what I am right now and I will continue to be what I am in the future so you don't have to worry about anything. Why? Because the same God who worked out all the stuff in your past... It's the same God who's working out everything in your present, and he's the same God who's going to work out everything in your future. Sometimes we get trapped in thinking about the future and thinking that God somehow will change. But God says, I don't change. <laughs> like, I don't change one bit. You might change in your thinking of me, but I do not change. So we got to walk in that and understand that God does not change. So if he's working out stuff in your life right now, guess what? He's going to work out stuff in your future. So this is the Lord's declaration. It's a statement of announcement, like Martha was talking about. It's a statement of announcement. So if God said it, 
You can trust it because he knows it because he is it and he will be that which he said. Oh, come on now. Listen. I, 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 I wanted to see this. I, listen, he, he, what he's telling us, he said that if God said it, you can trust it because he knows it, because he is it, and he will be that which he said. So we can trust God because he is the same. He is doing what he's always done, and that is taking care of his people, right? Uh, you know, they were standing in front of the Red Sea, and I'm sure they thought it was over. I'm sure they thought their future was dark and wet. (laughs) And sometimes we sit alone in our room and hear our conscience call telling me I need a prayer. Sorry, that was LL Cool J. Not what I wanted to say right now. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes my mind just goes. But sometimes we sit in our room in the dark. And all we can see is darkness. We think that it's over. We can't see past the next 10 minutes. Let's be honest. I've been there. I said, God, I I can't see what tomorrow looks like. And he's like, cool. (laughs) Good with me. Don't worry about it. Just know this. And this is my next idea. You don't have to fear because your future is well. Here he says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for your well-being. See, God has a clear purpose for each of our futures. God has a clear purpose for each of our futures. I'll say it again. God has a clear purpose for each of our futures. And often we neglect to believe that God is working on our behalf or has given each of us a purpose by which we are called to walk. See, the one thing that, that, that calling does for us and understanding that God has a purpose for us is that calling may not always be easy, but it definitely clarifies things for us. And so we can walk in some realities because we know that God has purposed something for us. And so although bombs might be going off beside us, we see the purpose that God has for us. So we keep walking. We don't worry about the bombs that are going off beside us because God has declared a clear purpose for us. And so we want to help everybody discover their purpose here, right? That's what we believe. We believe that everybody's purpose is to lead a lifestyle of worship. And so he says here that I know the plans that I have for you, they are plans for your well-being. We, this well-being is the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom refers to completeness, soundness. It refers to safety, prosperity, and contentment. The most common understanding of the word shalom is peace. So we don't have to fear the future because God says that our future is filled with comprehensive shalom. We don't have to fear the future 
Because our future, according to God, he says, for I have plans for you, plans for your well-being, plans for your shalom. He's saying that I have plans for your comprehensive wholeness. I have plans for your wellness, your safety, your prosperity. So the plans that God has for us are plans to make us complete. See, it's like a cake. See, when you're baking a cake, the more you mess with it, the more mess you'll make out of it. See, my, my I used to bake cakes, and we'd be running. She had her pies in there, her cakes in there, and we'd be running around the kitchen, boom, 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 boom just stomping our feet. And she'd be like, y'all stop running around that kitchen when I got my cake in the oven. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I was just like, the cake is in the oven. I'm on the floor. Like, what does it matter? <laughs> that's, what it, that's, that's what I thought. And if you really want to catch a whooping, open up that oven door while her cake is in there. You going to catch those hands. <laughs> and see, what happens is this. You may be concerned about your future because things feel like they're heating up, like you're on the inside of an oven. And your present is filled with some realities that don't feel good to you. And so you, you consider that if things don't feel good right now, then my future must not be anything. But you got to have the mind of a cake to know that even though I'm in some heat right now, God is melding together the flavors. See, even though I'm in some heat right now, God is bringing together something that's going to be fluffy and flavorful at the end. And guess what? I'm going to look like a cake or a snack, right? So God is going to make you look like a snack one day, but you might be in the heat right now. And you got to understand it's cool that I'm going through some heat because God is baking some things inside of me that wouldn't come without the heat in my life. See, there's nothing worse than an uncooked cake. My daughter loves this show. <laughs> What's the show? I can't remember the name of the show. No. Uh, nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it is a, is a baking show. It's on Netflix. And the people, they try to recreate something that the artist created on the cake. So you'll see a cake, like, and it'll look like this. The artist designed the cake. It looks like that is beautiful. And so the task of the people is who are just amateur bakers. They're not like real professional bakers. They're amateurs. Their goal is to recreate the cake exactly how it looks. And what happens is because they're amateurs, they oftentimes underbake their cakes. And so when they try to pull the thing out of the oven too soon, Guess what happens? They pull out a runny, nasty mess that can't be used for anything. And that's what happens when we try to pull ourselves out of God's oven too quickly. When we pull ourselves out of God's oven too fast, we come out runny. When we pull ourselves out of his, his oven of sanctification where he's working on us and he's molding us and he's shaping us and he's baking things into us, we pull ourselves out of the oven and we become runny and unable to be used by God. The plans that he has for us are plans of prosperity and welfare. They're plans for our safety. And contentment. 
So what are you worried about? What are you worried about? See, he even tells us. Because there's one thing, like, because people tell us they mean us well all the time, right? People say, yeah, like, I'm going to be there for you, you know? Like, I got you. You heard? Like, with you. And they say that stuff. And we believe them. And what happens? They let us down. Now, they're human. God says I, that he can't fail. Right? We serve a God who can't even fail. And so when we're in the midst of difficulty and circumstances that cause us to question our future, we have to be reminded of the fact that we serve a God who cannot fail. It's impossible for him to fail. And so he goes on to tell us, he says, it's plans for your well-being and not for disaster. See, disaster here is defined as calamity, evil, but it also can be defined as sadness or misery. And so if you find yourself being miserable, which some of us are miserable people, like you just be miserable for no good reason. You ever met somebody asking, man, how's it going? It's cool. Like, all right. <laughs> like, hey, bro, man, I just saw the presentation, man. It was, it was awesome, man. You did a really good job. Yeah, it was all right. Like, bro, you, do you ever have a good day? <laughs> like, ever? Any day? Like, no, nah, I'm, I'm breathing. <laughs> well, clearly you're breathing, but, like, are you good, though? <laughs> do you have joy? And so, like, some of us are miserable because we like misery, if we're honest. And misery loves company, right? So we try to bring as many people into our misery as possible, right? Uh, but, but what God's saying here, he's saying that if you're miserable, it's because you aren't trusting the plan that I have for your life. See, if you ever find yourself in a position where sadness is overcoming you and overtaking you and you can't find some source of joy to hang on to, God is saying it's because you're not trusting in the plans that I have for you. Because I already told you that the plans that I have for you are plans for your well-being. Hear what I'm saying? I can see God sometimes just like, here they go again, like just... Didn't I bring you through that before? Like, it's like Jesus with the disciples. Like, they just watched him feed 5,000 people with, like, nothing. Two fish and five loaves. They watched him do that. And then they got on the boat and started screaming and hollering, oh, God, we're going to die. He's like, bro, like, did you just see what I just did? Like, (laughs) you you weren't watching that? Like, you weren't, were you around? Like, did you go to the bathroom or something? Like, because I just did that. (laughs) And so that's how we are, right? And we focus on disaster more than we focus on, the, on well-being. And God's saying, like, the plans I have for you are for your well-being, not for your disaster. Chill out. Just chill out. And so in chilling out, this is my last idea. You got to know this, that your future is not in your hands. 
your future is not in your hands. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for your well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This word forgive means to bestow upon someone, to grant them something or to assign something. And so God saying to us that your future, whatever it is, it comes from me. I'm giving it to you. In his plan, he will bestow his goodness upon us. In his plan, he will grant us the shalom or peace that we desire. In his plan, he will assign us the prosperity and and contentment that we so long for. We fall into fear of the future when we think that our future is in our hands. See, we we fall into fear of the future when we actually think that the future is in our hands. And you know what? It's fitting that the future isn't in our hands because if it was in our hands, guess what? It would be a whole mess. See, if your future was in your hands, it would be a jacked up future. In fact, it would be no future at all because it would cease to exist because it's in your hands. And that's exactly what happens when we try to take our future into our hands. We make a mess out of it. And we sit around looking around wondering, God, why is this happening? Why is this stuff falling apart? Why is everything looking like this? Stuff is not going my way. Well, it's because you didn't do things my way. You find yourself in a trap, right? It's because you haven't been obeying God's commands. You haven't been doing what he's instructed you to do. And so when we take the future in our hands, we mess it up. But if we're going to escape from fear, we got to know that our future is not in our hands. Future here refers to the end or a latter time. The, the reason we deal with fear of the future is because the future shouldn't be our focus. Matthew six twenty five. he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Can any of you, he said, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Answer that question in your heart. Aren't you worth more than some birds that can't control where they poop? Like, you're worth more than them. Then he says, can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. You cannot. And so he says, why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. (laughs) They can't sow. Yet, I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. You might be beat and all that stuff like that. Like you, you got everything going on, your makeup, right? All the stuff like that. You're not adoring like one of these birds. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much won't he do for us? You of little faith. (laughs) So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus just said, mind your business. And your business is right now. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We have to understand that the future is not our problem. See, the the future is not our problem. We think that we can affect it in some way, but God says, no, I'm the one who is affecting everything. I'm the one in control of everything. And so he's telling them, he's saying, listen, that the plans I have for your plans of well-being and plans for a future, to give you a future and a hope. Future, it refers to posterity. And posterity refers to all future generations of a people. Your future isn't for you. It's for the generations. So your faith in Christ in the present time prepares, and the word can mean a reward, it prepares a reward for your future generations. See, some of you are the first in your families to have faith in Christ, but that faith will produce a residue for future generations. And so what God says here is that our future is our reward. So we can't be worried about how bad the future is going to be. God is saying, no, your future is your reward. There are going to be some people in your lineage and your posterity who are going to have faith in Jesus because one day you took a step of faith to follow Jesus and to live against the culture and to live against the rest of your family who were telling you that you were crazy for following Jesus. But you took a stand and said, no, I'm going to follow Jesus because he saved my life. And now because of that, three generations down the line, there will be children in your lineage who will follow Jesus and make a difference in the world because of what you've done right now. What the future has in store for you depends in large measure on what you place in store for the future. So we got to understand that and know that God is saying, uh, I I, want to give you a future and a hope. Hope figuratively is referring to an expectancy or expectation. Things hoped for. So God wants to give us a reward and a hope, a future and a hope. And hope is expectancy. Fear stops us from living with expectancy. It does. When you walk in fear, you forget how to dream. See, when you walk in fear because the last time you tried to start the nonprofit, it didn't work out, it stops you from dreaming. When, 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 you, 
when you when you walk in fear because the last time you tried to have the child, you, you didn't get pregnant. Like fear stops you from dreaming. And so what God is saying is this. He's saying, no, I want to give you a future and some expectation. He says, I'm giving you a hope. But here's the beautiful part. The, the word for hope, it figuratively means expectancy. But the literal translation of that word is a rope. The word used there for hope literally means a cord or a rope. So I want to submit to you today. That your hope is your rope. See, let me help you. When you start falling off the deep end of fear of the future, hope is like a bungee cord. See, when you start falling off the deep end of fear of the future and doubt, hope is like a bungee cord around your waist. See, in life, sometimes you might feel like you're falling uncontrollably. Sometimes in life you feel like you feel like you're heading straight to the ground and there's nothing between you and the rocks on the bottom. But God is saying there is a hope that will grab you and snatch you back up. If you would just place your trust and your faith in me, I got you. And so we got to know this, that when we're falling uncontrollably, hope is our rope. <laughs> Like we got something that we can grab onto to pull us back and say, hold on, God promised me a future. God promised me something that's going to be prosperous. God promised me something that's going to be for my well-being. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to prosper you. I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans for your well-being and for your future. And so when I just hold on to that hope, no matter what's going on in my life, I can pull myself back up and I can get bounced back to where God wants me to be and I can live how God called me to live and not walk in fear i'm closing with this said writer wrote he says whenever i think about the future i think of re olds who made the oldsmobile and the rio cars about 1902 he announced a new model of his car and he called it his his farewell car He implied that this automobile was the ultimate mobile (laughs) and that after it, nobody could ever bring improvement to his motor car. He didn't know about Tesla. (laughs) How wrong was he? There's always more that can be done. You can never catch up. You're you're never finished the work that God's called you to. And so, why try to chase down a future that you don't have any control over anyway? Why chase down something that's going to be progressively moving away from you all the time? And so we ascribe to stuff we think this is this is either the best thing that's ever going to happen or this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen God's saying I ain't finished yet I'm not done yet just trust me stay connected to me and I'll show you a future that's brighter than anything that you can imagine every head bow every eye closed maybe you're in the room today and you're saying 
I, I can't see a future five minutes away. I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, struggling with fear and doubt. I can't see anything past my eyebrows. But I want to submit to you today the one who saw a future for you. Scripture says that before the foundations of the world, Christ died for us. And he died for us in a time past for a future time to come. And so maybe you place your faith and trust in Jesus today because he will give you a future and a hope. You might be hopeless this morning. You can't see a future for yourself. But God says today that I want to give you a future and a hope. Just place your trust in me. Place your faith in me this morning. If you're here, you're saying, listen, I don't, I don't have anywhere to place my faith. Place my trust. Jesus says you can place it on me. And placing your faith in him will transform your life. If you're here today, just lift up your hand if you want to place your faith and trust in Jesus. We'll pray with you. We'll walk with you. Talk with you about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. Be good steward. And all that good stuff. Father, I pray right now, God, for anyone at the sound of my voice that does not know you, God. God, I pray that they might come to know you. They might come to walk in the truth that you have declared. <laughs> like Jeremiah, the prophet said, this is the Lord's declaration that I have plans for your well-being and not for your disaster to give you a future and a hope. God, and we know that that future and that hope comes securely through Christ. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would walk in truth, walk in wisdom, and know that you are the one who gives us everything that we need. It's in Christ Jesus' name that I pray. With thanksgiving.